The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Mike Zuzalo joins us with Global Commodity Analytics. And it's another day that we have gotten a lot of snow across the upper Midwest. And as one producer, and I've said this before on this show, I had a cattle guy tell me, Mike, we need to think of it this way. One, it's moisture. Two, it gives us time to get our equipment ready for spring planting. And three, we're one day closer to greener pastures. And maybe number four is we won't have to worry about a drought. Wouldn't that be great? (laughs) Exactly, or bugs or anything (laughs) like that. And it kind of just brings it into the fact that, I mean, we did see some lower prices again, except for the nearby soybeans today and the market trade. And it can be very frustrating, very stifling as we look at these markets and the continued drop that we've seen in this grain complex. But no surprise, weather and trade continue to be some of those top factors. Yeah, and I think this is where trade is trumping, and and I use that word specifically, uh, trumping the weather side of the equation. I I really think, Susan, after the last three or four weeks of talking to the Chicago colleagues that I have up uh, in in both offices and and, uh, four contacts that are still remaining or, you know, large to medium-sized commercial-related people that I still have contacts with, in the industry, it really is getting more and more about the trade issue, especially after North Korea's situation and the second uh, Trump-Kim summit went so poorly and, and ended. And now we caught word in the Wall Street Journal yesterday that North Korea is ramping back up their missiles as far as their uh, launch potential and capability at at least one site. This doesn't sound like it should matter to the grain markets, but it is really significant because we're in such a historical time because the trade, be it right or be it wrong, and I personally think they're more right than wrong, are associating you know, our policies with China and the trade and the intellectual property with North Korea. I think there is that triangulation. You and I have talked about that before. And if we don't go well down the path politically with North Korea. It's going to be tougher with China. And I think the trade is right in thinking that if the U.S.-China trade doesn't get done soon, um, it's really going to be tough to do good trade deals with the European Union, which is coming up, and Japan, which is also coming up. So unfortunately, that's where we're at right now. And, And the good side of that, I think, is that because wheat is the leader to the downside and because we could kind of see this coming, that if wheat did not hold on good supply demand fundamentals and, and uh, pretty poor weather, uh, pretty low acres. If the wheat could not hold, nothing was probably going to hold. And so that's ended up being accurate. The good news is I think it's safe to say we don't have any uh, weather premium in the corn factored in at this point. We're trying to factor in some spring wheat premium against the hard red wheat premium, but the corn premium for new crop is not being factored in at this point. And I think it's also safe to say we factored in a very bearish wheat report after today's close. And I'm hoping that between now and the March 30th or March 28th, whatever acreage report comes about, we will have a major, if not marketing year, low in wheat in place. And I say that very seriously because when you look at USDA average price right now of 520 for the United States wheat for this new crop, North uh, Nebraska, if you average the soft red and hard red new crop prices, you're looking at 415. 
if you go over to Illinois and look at the soft red prices, you're looking at one and a quarter. You're literally a dollar lower and underneath the USD average price right now. And it, for this time of year, both lead month and July, soft red wheat futures are the lowest going all the way back to 2006. So I think this is where there's a, an extreme discount in this market. And uh, I don't want producers to shut their eyes when it comes to soybeans, but when it comes to wheat and corn, I have locked away the idea of selling anything at these prices. I will wait for the next go around and the next cycle turn. Um, beans, another story. You know, I wanted to jump. You talk about China, and I, and I would hope that there's some maybe a little twinge of optimism out there. Um, all the reports and the comments and the side comments that we've been seeing that March 27th might see some positives when we have that China-U.S. get-together once again. I think the high likelihood of a deal is best right here, right now. And I say that because of the African swine fever. I mean, you, you don't want anybody to have problems feeding their people. So I'm not going down that path. But what I am saying is, is that it is such a terrific outbreak in that country, and it's spread to other countries, that, that if we have the ability to maintain our quality and our sanitary and phytosanitary conditions here in North America, which I have confidence we can, because the, the leaders of the ag departments of Canada, Mexico, and the United States are working very well in conjunction. We saw that at the Agricultural Outlook Forum. Um, but if we can hold that line and not get African swine fever in North America, I think there's a real potential China will want to come to the table. The, the, the problem becomes political, if you ask me, Susan, after March, because I think that President Xi, I, I'm no China expert, but I do a lot of analysis on China and the politics of China and, and the leaders of China. And, and the president currently in China right now is the kind of guy I think that would run out the clock, meaning if we get past the March 27th meeting and nothing gets done concretely, I think that may bode negatively from a standpoint that he, being the Chinese leader, President Xi, I feel like he can assume that the 2020 election is right around the corner, assume that at least articles of impeachment will get filed against our president by the House of Representatives, and therefore decide to try and run out the clock going into the 2020 election. Because guess what? He has no election to worry about. He is the sole leader of every single part of their government. And he has total control of the party, of the military, and, and essentially of their uh, education system, too, at this stage, after some of the constitutional changes he made a little over a year or two ago. So this is where I think time is of the essence. I, I would be very nervous, especially when you look at new crop beans. Stick around, folks. We have got more coming up. It is the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. Nine. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Mike Zuzalo is joining us today with Global Commodity Analytics. And I tell you, Mike, we've got a slow planting here. Harvest is underway and continues to go gangbusters in South America. But again, for both South America and North America, it's weather and weather that's been a factor in harvest and planting. Yeah, and you know, that's it's an interesting dynamic because Argentina is just now getting ready to really put on the bushels for the corn and some of the maps that I look at in terms of where they are in moisture versus last year at this time uh, from, from what we get from PCAD, it does not look as good as last year, and yet the trade is assuming that uh, both the Safrina second crop for 
soy be, uh, for corn in Brazil and also the Argentine corn crop are going to be really, really strong. Well, all I can say is that better be because our accumulated exports to date in corn are running 40% ahead of last year at this time. So they better have the competitive edge come spring or we're going to ha- have a need to ration corn. That's probably the brightest spot out there along with the fact that Mankato, Minnesota, you know, we talked about cattle and, and how tough calving is on the midday and you and I have talked about it and I'm getting the same kind of conversations from clients in Minnesota and South Dakota right now, Susan. The Mankato, Minnesota is looking at 10 inches of snow in the next seven days. Sioux Falls, South Dakota is looking at 9 inches. Both of those areas are only going to have highs in the mid-teens 10 days out. So I think it's safe to say we will get another chance to sell some corn, especially new crop corn. The, the big issue will be whether the wheat makes the bottom sooner or whether we have to wait all the way to the planted acreage time period. And, and that's a big if because... If we could turn this boat around by tomorrow's close after USDA's report comes out, um, I think it could do a lot in terms of preserving longer-term charts and and creating a greater need to find technical short covering by some of the funds. So I'm I'm glad you brought that up. Before we jump into livestock, I did want to mention, again, we do have a WASD report, and we talked about it yesterday on the Fontenelle Final Bell, that this report's can kind of push to the backside and the back burner at this point. It really has, and part of that's because of the government shutdown, and part of that's because the trade issues are so big. But I would look at two numbers. Obviously, I think the wheat has, regardless of whether we hit a billion bushels for 18, 19 carryover, I think the trade's more than adequately priced that in. I mean, we're 70 cents below last year. We're 30 cents, about 30 cents below 2017 and 2016 prices in soft red wheat. We're talking about a wheat corn spread that's down to 80 cents. And so you've got a situation where the wheat, you could probably come out with, a, a bigger than expected ending stocks number for wheat and it would be more neutral big numbers are going to be corn do we see a reduction in ethanol demand but is that more than offset by an increase in feed and residual i think it should be is it more than offset by an increase in exports i think it should be in other words do we go down below a 1.7 carryover and i think my number is 1.6 i never put out the newswire stuff because i don't want the algo traders to know what i'm doing But I'm at 1.66 right now for carryover. USDA was at 1.735 last month. The trade is essentially saying 1.735 again for an average on the average newswire estimate. So that's number one. Number two would be soybeans. Do we trim the soybean carryover and drop below 900 million bushels? We were at 910 last month. Getting below 900, I think, psychologically would be supportive. Go over to the livestock now, and you, you kind of touched it already. These cattle guys, not only had struggled with prices, we did see some early cash, so maybe that's a positive, that we saw some cash bids and purchases happening on Monday. But it just kind of opens up the book to say the packers are worried. You look at these cattle, the struggle they're having in the feedlots because of this cold weather, this, the amount of snow, and then with the warm-up, what we're going to see in muddy feedlots and calving. All this just yeah, seems to be feeding in. I believe we were able to take the number of kill up as much as we were last week, given the weather we had. I don't know how they're doing this. And so I was impressed with the kill. We are staying very current because the kill numbers are higher than what I expected, and the weights are down. And that obviously is holding the cattle in. I will say this to the chart watchers out there, though. Feeder cattle on a weekly chart look like they could be stimulating a buy signal because they just got done testing January lows within about 15 or 20 cents. They held that. So that'll be real important at the end of this week to see, especially Monday, after Monday's close, after the cattle on feed report comes out, how we look after Monday's close, and those numbers are are driven into the prices. Uh, January feeders could be looking at a buy signal. On the exact converse side, 
the fat cattle prices uh, have tested the 128 level, and that was last week's low. And if we take that out, that actually could stimulate a sell signal. So I would look for a very active feeder fat spread, depending on how that cattle on feed report treats the charts on a weekly basis. And so what I'm saying to you is I still think there's quite a bit of weather premium in the fat cattle. They have not put the weather premium in the feeder cattle at this point if this winter continues on like it could the next 10 to 15 days. We're seeing a bit of green on the screen for the uh, hogs today. Yeah, I think the trade's finally coming around the idea. I just got a, a very good video from my uh, one of my key guys uh, uh, at the clearing firm I work at, and it came out of China, and it was it showed an unbelievable video of China's uh, live hogs just being culled completely in a ditch. What is the best way for producers to get a hold of you? Best way is to call me, 866-471-2588, if you want to talk specifics. Otherwise, if you just want a trial of my audio and video and blog, uh, go on the website globalanalytics.biz sign up for a free trial be happy to give you one all right that's the fontanelle final bell being brought to you by fontanelle and all the local dealers on the rural radio network